Hey, what's going on, everybody? My name is Reagan. My name is Victor. And welcome to Sanctified-ish, conversations with pastors who have not figured it out. We've taken, a, we so last time we actually sat down and recorded was like a couple weeks ago. It's been... Why, why would you just tell them all of our secrets like that? They don't know I'm that. just saying, it's been a while since we sat down and I know, talked it's, it's been nice. Podcast. It's been nice. It was it's, a much, much needed vacation. vacation. Yeah, look, a at that, look at that, look at that. <laughs> It, it was. was a spring break. Yeah. Um, lots lots has, has happened. happened. Oh my God. Wow. wow. We finished each other's sandwiches. Sentences. Oh no. <laughs> I, a I lot knew, has happened. I knew you were going to say sandwiches too. I should have just said that. I'm sorry. Um, wow. But a lot has happened. You're right. We, yeah. you went out of the country on a mission trip mm-hmm. and I tried to buy a house and failed. So... <laughs> Lots of updates. Big big week for the both of us. A big week. Um, yeah. yeah, we yeah. tried. So Felicity and I, my wife and I, we've been wanting to get out of our apartment. If you watch the video podcast or see clips of our podcast on TikTok, the background of my space is my apartment. Like it's the whole yeah. thing. Um, yeah, it's there's not, not much room. Yeah, it's 400 square feet of, of room. And the Peloton takes up like a hundred of those square feet. So we have like very little room. Yeah. So we were looking to buy a house and it fell through. So Mm. we were sad, but then the Lord provided. We're still moving. But God. But God. (laughs) And so we're still moving, but we're going to a townhome. Two bed, two and a half bath, moving up in the world. I never would have thought that I would own a place or rent a place that had two that had a half bath you know what i mean so like you really made it this is one of my ignorant adult things i never understood what a half bath was um oh i'm just like was it just small like (laughs) (laughs) does it i don't know i don't know what a half bath is that's it just it means it doesn't have a shower that's it so it's just like it's just a toilet and sink that's a half bath it's a powder room, is what they call it. I don't, That's I don't like that. Bath. That's so yeah. confusing. So it's like it's the oddly placed bathroom in like the living room of a house. Yeah, yeah. You know that only has the toilet and like you don't really want to go use that bathroom. No, it's because it's, it's the, like oddly positioned. It's the one for guests because they're not going to go mm-hmm. to the master bedroom. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So two and a half bath. So we're really moving up in the world because we'll have a half bath. The day has finally come. Yeah, but that's that's impressive. I'm uh, hey, we're renting, and and so theoretically, technically, it's still not our home, and well, we like, still don't okay. like own it. Don't don't undersell this either. Like it's not like you're moving into a hole in the wall. Like like the townhome's not bad. It's pretty nice. It's not. It's not bad. It's got um, hardwood floors. All right, that's when you know a half bath. And hardwood floors don't even get me started. The thought of you having hardwood floors just makes me smile. Like I don't, <laughs> I don't know what it is, but something about you, like being in an adult space, wow. just feels strange to me. And all love, and yeah, all love, no, no, no. it really does. I've, I've so the dorm that I lived in when I was in college had hardwood floors, and so oh. technically I was fancier back then than I am now. But now we're moving up in the world. You also wore skinny jeans and had neon shoes and were in a full hipster phase. It's when back I was then. single. It's when I was single. But it worked. Yeah. It, it worked. worked. I'm married now. Hold up. Did 
Did Felicity know you in your pink shoes oh, yeah. phase? Oh, yeah. We went to the wow. art museum for our first date, and I wore skinny jeans, a long T-shirt, and my velvet shoes. Oh, yeah. I was so, so do, cool. Th- this may be a question for her, but does she prefer prefer hipster Victor or mm. Peloton Victor? Like, which which one, which style does she prefer more? Um. So you'll learn this, you know, when that day comes for you eventually. Oh, thank you. She just prefers Victor. Oh, right? wow. Wow. She just prefers me in whatever form. And that's and that's I'm love. <laughs> <laughs> and that's love. Um, but I hope she prefers Peloton Victor because I hate I hate fancy clothes. That's fair it. enough. That's fair enough. Um, but you know what they say? Even though we don't own the home, home is what you make it, right? Is that what they say? That's the saying. Home is what you make it. I live Life in a studio apartment. It. Yeah. Well, home is what you make it. <laughs> Isn't life is what you make it? Isn't that a Hannah Montana song? Is it? Life Life's is what, you make, what it. you make it, so let's make it rock. Dun, no, that's Hillsong. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> oh, bro, that, that got me. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, that- <laughs> so you can tell we've been out of practice a little bit with this podcasting yeah. thing. Um, but talk to us. What are we going to be talking about today? Because... <laughs> We're just going to hard transition straight into hard, it because I don't think we're connecting the dots Hard here. transition. <laughs> um, y'all, today we're talking about the church. Um, and I think even to bridge what Victor's talking about there, Victor's looking for a home. Like the church is our home. And I think in the age of travel sports, in the age of church hopping, church shopping, um, even I think like the average churchgoer in America, like the people that are committed, go to church two out of four times a month. And like that's considered yeah. really healthy and really good. Um, we want to talk about like what the church is, why we go to church, what's the purpose of it? Um, because I do think we there's a definition of church that we see in scripture that I think maybe we call it church today, but we may not actually be doing it. Um, so we're going to talk about like what's the purpose of the church what even is church and where do we fit into all of that? And I think if we're going to tie a text to all of this, Acts 2, uh, I believe it's 42 through 47. I could be wrong on that. Um, but it literally just says like, hey, this is what the earliest New Testament believers were doing. Is like there was an emphasis in the word. They were praying. Um, there were signs and wonders and worship. They knew each other. They had all things in common. They ate meals together. Oh, and they gathered in the temple. Yeah. And that right there, what they're describing in that passage is what the church, the body of believers did versus today. We say we go to church. The Bible says we are the church. Yeah. And Jesus is the cornerstone of that. And so that that difference and that dichotomy is kind of where we're going to land today. Yeah. The Western church has definitely become more of a program more mm-hmm. than anything else. And and this is where this is where things get really dangerous is when we confine what church is to the thing that we do for an hour and a half on Sunday morning, we actually miss out when we define church that way on the thing that was meant to really like band Christians together in genuine community. 
Yeah. Like the church is a seven day a week, 24 hour, seven day a week thing. But when we confine it to that hour and a half at nine o'clock or at 1045 on Sunday morning, we miss what God has really designed for us to be something that's really good and a blessing, not only to ourselves, but to others. And so I think there's a, a pretty clear picture that we can paint here with what the modern church right now looks like, especially in the Western world, versus, man, what is the the church look like in the New Testament? So I think we should start there. You mentioned Acts 2, but what does the new ch- what does the church look like in the New Testament? What's the picture that the Bible gives us of the church? Uh, I believe it's Ephesians. I could be wrong. Um, but the Bible just talks about uh, us being saved, Um into the house of God and like each basically the church and us as believers we are one brick at a time one wall at a time and like the gospel destroys the dividing walls of hostility we are put back together and Jesus is the cornerstone the gospel is the thing that holds those things together and a building I think is a better like a better picture of what the church is than anything else where it's like we don't go to a building to experience church we are the building. And when yeah. you take one piece out of that, you know, primarily Jesus, the cornerstone, you take it out and the whole thing falls apart. But like those bricks are dependent on one another. And I think when you look at the the Western American church, um, it's become more of an experience than a people. And that's, that's, that's not to say like Sunday gatherings are very biblical. Like sermons are biblical. Worship is biblical. Like what we do on Sunday morning is biblical. What we're saying is that that's not fully Mm -hmm. what the, what, what the Bible calls church. Um, and I think the the biggest thing, like I remember in college, I went to, uh, I went to a church and those like two to three years I was there. I never got plugged into a small group. I never really knew the people that I sat next to. Um, I never really served. Like I went there on Sunday, I sat in a seat, I listened to a message and I went home and I was still a follower of Jesus. It's not like I was even like walking away from my faith, but like the church is for our good. It's for God's glory and for our good. And so like what I was missing in that season was like, yes, I was hearing the word, but I was missing the benefit and the good of the church that like, I was missing out on people speaking into my life and doing life with them and experiencing other believers around me in that capacity. And I don't think I'm the only one that's experienced that before. I think the, I think a lot of people go to church on Sunday morning, hear a message and go home and say they're church goers, but are missing what makes the church special in the first place. Yeah. Um, like you can hear a sermon through a podcast and not go to church. Yeah. Like, what makes church special is the people and yeah. the gathering together. So that that's that's what I would say to that. Well, and that's a perfect example too. The Village Church is one of many churches that does this. Whenever you kind of go online to their YouTube and watch one of their sermons, there's a disclaimer up front. And that disclaimer says something along the lines of like, hey, we are so glad you chose to, to watch and listen to this sermon, but we want to let you know that this does not replace the the physical gathering of believers that you should be a part of in your local community. And we talked about this um, in the last episode that we released about uh, life church and doing like these virtual 
church services. It's not the end because what they're doing is doing these virtual church services and then plugging people into their local body because the church is meant to be a physical thing that we are a part of that blesses us, but also gives us the opportunity to bless others. And that's a, that's a all the time thing. That's not yeah. a hour and a half thing. And I think there's a couple different categories and maybe this is where we can sit for a little bit. Um, because I do think there are some people who go to church on the weekends and they, and they're kind of like you in college. They're not really drifting away from, from like Jesus, but they're not really like pushing into like the community that, that could be available to them. Um, But I also think there's a group of people that's just really apathetic and has kind of like bought into this lie of, Hey, I'm going to attend church on the weekend. I'm going to check the box I'm going to go on with my life. And if I can just do the good things, then, then I'm good. And then I think there's another group and that's the group that goes to church on the weekends and really wants to get plugged in. And they're trying to count the cost Mm -hmm. of what they would need to sacrifice in their life Mm -hmm. in order to get plugged into community. A personal example for me is growing up, I played hockey hockey is a Sunday sport. You play hockey on the weekends and you play on Sunday mornings. And there was about four years of my life where I could not play hockey because my parents did not let me Yeah. because we prioritized going to church. Yeah. And so there was a sacrifice there. And I think there's a large amount of people out there that are really trying to count the cost, trying to figure out, man, is it worth sacrificing this thing that I really enjoy to get plugged into a body uh, of believers? So... You're, you're hitting on travel sports. Yeah. Um, and this is, this is one of the hardest things. I'll even tackle the apathy thing for a second. I actually don't think apathy will be an issue 10 years from now. Um, mm. One, we feel it just because you and I are located in the South. And so yeah. cultural Christianity is very much still a thing. I don't think you get much outside of the American South and cultural Christianity I don't think exists. Yeah. To, at least to the extent for sure. Of like what we experience. And then I think you put five to 10 years on that. And I think it's a, it's a, it's a dying breed. Um, and I don't think that's necessarily bad either. Um, I think there's a refining and a purifying of like what you're just saying, what it means to follow Jesus. Do I really want to be in this? Do I really not want to be in this? Um, and I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. Um, with the whole travel sports conversation, it's complicated because every single sports team is now year round and Sunday is no longer sacred. Um, and so when you're saying hockey was a Sunday sport, man, growing up for me, AAU basketball, uh, was all weekend long and it's all across the country. And so like, I know my family had to wrestle with this. I had to wrestle with this other, I've seen our families have had to wrestle with it. What do you do with a kid that like wants to really pursue a sport they're like, that is the method of like, and it's not a bad thing either. Like God gave them yeah. that gifts, like sports are not evil in the slightest. So let's not demonize that. Um, and what do you do when they're in California that weekend in Nebraska, the next one and Texas, the next, and do you miss church or do you tell them they can't go to that tournament? Um, and this is where I would just say, this is probably descriptive, not prescriptive. Meaning yeah. this is what my family did for me. That's not what, it, that's not necessarily what you have to do for you. Um, my family growing up was like, there were some Sundays that I missed for tournaments. Um, 
there were also some Sundays where my dad had to tell my coach, Hey, he's not going to be there. Um, and he's going to go to church that literally I, as a student had no control over that. My parents were just like, there are sometimes we'll go and there's sometimes we're not, but like overall we're going to prioritize being with God's people and still do the best that we can yeah. to give you these opportunities. Um, it's, it's a tough balance though, because like I see in scripture, whatever you do, do it to the glory of God. So do it well. Yeah. I also see, don't neglect the gathering of believers. And so yep. the church, the church is not Sunday morning. The church is the right. people, but the Bible also says, don't neglect to gather together. Um, and so now we're like, okay, is neglecting to gather meaning that I have to be there four Sundays a month or is neglecting to gather meaning, man, I really haven't been to church in eight months. Um, yeah. or I haven't gathered with some believers. Like there's a lot of nuance in that one statement that I don't think it's like a one size fits all, yeah. um, for any family or for any person. A phrase that we often use is like, this is a tension to be managed, right? Because if, if we don't want to put the entire emphasis of what the church is on Sunday morning, then we can still very much be involved and engaged with the church mm-hmm. the six days of the week. And then if we miss a Sunday for, cause we're sick or maybe we're playing travel sports, like there, there is some grace for that. I think the, the thing that differentiates someone who is actively engaging in the church and pursuing sports or, or a particular passion is, man, are you pushing into community or yeah. are you withdrawing yourself from the body of believers? And I think, yeah. like you said, it's not what like every family is going to do something a little bit different and that is totally okay. Yeah. But I do think like there is grace for us in a lot of these areas, as long as we are being very intentional about being engaged in community and engaged with the local church, you can be engaged with the local church and miss a Sunday on during a semester. Now, if you miss three, three months worth of Sundays, Okay, maybe there's another conversation here. Yeah. But the fact that you're in like your engagement in the church is not dependent on whether you miss one Sunday a month or a semester. Well, that is by no means a license for you to just stop going to church and just get plugged into like a Friday night small group and say, Okay, well, I'm engaged with the church. That's not what that's saying. That's why it's hard to explain because it's a tension to be managed. Well, and let's let's flip it back on the church, particularly church staff members here for a second. And it's that like our primary way of gauging church success is, did you attend our gathering on Sunday morning? And so that's like, that's the thing that we've held up as a standard for the last 30, 40 years in the American church. And so part of it is like, have we trained our people to meet this standard? And if you can't meet this standard, well, you're not a part of this body. And so they're just like, well, I guess I can't be a part of this body. Um, and w- one of the things that I think I've been in, I've been encouraged with, and I, again, I don't know if this is necessarily the solution for it because I don't necessarily want to say like, okay, Sunday is not sacred. Just forget Sunday and move on. Like, I do think there's something special about having a day that is set aside to the Lord. Yeah. But what I've seen some other churches do is like, hey, I, some of my friends work on Sunday in the business world. Um, and so they're just like, we can't make it to church on Sunday morning. I've seen some churches have Monday night worship gatherings or Wednesday night worship gatherings or Thursday night worship gatherings or like other things where it's like, Hey, if you can't make it on Sunday, here's this one thing, because it's like the goal is not the day. The goal is for people to gather together and worship the Lord. And so 
maybe like as Sunday becomes less and less sacred, um, maybe the church moves to multiple days during the week. I I, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I'm just like, what what do we hold tightly to, and what are we a little more open handed with? And I do think I do think there is a there's a charge for us in the church to to become more of a holistic thing. Like when we see the church in the New Testament, it was something that the church was something that people were engaged in in the community. And this is a huge part. It's like we want our churches to make our communities different. Mm-hmm. Like if like if we if if your church is in a community and tomorrow we woke up and that and your church was gone, like the community around you should feel that not in a prideful mm-hmm. way, but just because you're doing so much good for the people around you that if that was removed, man, people would be sad. Like yeah. people would be upset. Mm-hmm. And so like that has to happen Monday to Friday. You can't just do that on, on a Sunday. No one, no one cares that you went to a building on Sunday morning. Yeah. No one cares. No one cares what you do with your free time. Um, and I, th- I think that's why we kind of see the, impact of the church less and less in today's age than maybe we did 20 or 30 years ago mm-hmm. is because we had the habit of like all the church was was a gathering and so in the same way you come back from the weekend and monday morning and you're in the office it's like hey what'd you do this weekend i went to the lake well i went to church okay cool um yeah. that, that that's about all it is it's just how i spent my free time versus how you spent your free time where what you're saying and i think what you see in scripture is i'm like even in acts 2 they shared everything in common. They had favor in the community. They were growing in favor with God and man. And like, I think that creates a larger impact than anything else. I, I want to go back to something you said earlier because you mentioned that it's like people are starting to count the cost of, is this something that I want to be a part of and lean into? And again, this is a tension I think, I think both these things are true. One is like, I do think it's okay to hold a high standard of like the, the barrier of entry into the church should be so low, but the cost to follow Jesus should always remain high of like, you're always welcome here. But what we are calling you to is to take up your cross, die to yourself and follow him like that. That is something that like, you should feel the cost and the weight of that. Um, and so like that doesn't, that affects where you spend your time, the things you say yes to, the things you say no to, like church is never going to be convenient hmm. ever. Um, and I mean that like location wise, time wise, it's going to cost us things sometimes. I also mean that people wise, primarily people wise, actually, Yeah. that it's like the church is a body. It's not an event you attend. And so like when we say it's not convenient, man, you are saying I'm going to be the gospel is going to wedge one center to another. And that is not always going to be comfortable, convenient or in my best interest. And what do you do when that hits? Yeah. What do you do when that hits? Um, One of the one of the things that I think I've been wrestling with recently is. I've seen a lot of people walk away from church recently. Like some of my friends walk away from church and I'm going to be careful how I say this. There are times to walk away from a specific church and from a gathering where there's abuse or like, even just like schedule changes, man. Like I move, maybe this isn't like the place that I'm growing. Like there's conversations for that. I've also seen times where it's like, this just got hard or this is not what I want 
And it's an immediate pullback from that church yeah. without going to another. Yeah. And that that's the thing that I think needs to be discipled and followers of Jesus is like, you can't have Jesus without his bride. You can't. It doesn't have to be this specific bride, but like you can't have Jesus without the church. That's not possible because he wants the church. <laughs> he wants his people. And you can't say you want him and you hate his spouse. Um, yeah. And I think that's just something like, again, it's nuanced. It's not one size fits all in that conversation, but you can't fully retract from the body even if you can pull back from that specific congregation. What you just said reminded me of John 17, right? Jesus is praying, and later in John 17, he actually prays for the unity of his people. Jesus prays for the unity of his church, and what I find so fascinating about that prayer, what I find so fascinating about unity, is that unity can't exist if problems didn't exist. Yeah. Because then it would just be the same. Yeah. Like Jesus calls us to be unified. And that means that there are, there is going to be some stuff that's really hard. Yeah. There's going to be some stuff that, that causes division. And through that, through those things, we are called to be unified. Now there's a line. Yeah. And I think this line is talked about in scripture plenty, but yes, of course, in the case of abuse, in the case of, um, like the gospel not being taught as the gospel yeah. or the gospel being twisted to to fit a certain person's agenda or, yeah. or thing that they're trying to accomplish. Yes, th- God is not calling you to be unified with them because that is no longer the church and that is no longer the gospel. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But we are called to be unified. There are stories of churches splitting because the carpet color changed. And it's like when we allow things like that to be so divisive... And we are not practicing as the church. We are, man, we're just we're we're just going to the place that affirms whatever our worship preference is, preaching style preference is. Like we're just seeking like Sunday comf- comfort rather than like engagement in the local church. Because you're right, there's a cost. Man, I'm I'm convinced that if the church was as passionate about the gospel as we were about carpet colors, Jesus would have already come back by now. Um, like mission over done. Like if we just take that really awesome passion and just shift it five degrees to the left, we just move it. We, we'd be there. Um, yeah. Yeah. But man. And so like, here's, oh, here's the wonderful and beautiful thing about the church. I think we've even seen it in this podcast is like, here's what the church is. Here's what it strives to be. Because we were all sinners and we are all broken, when you put broken people together, church is going to have issues. Mm-hmm. And let's not let's not expect church to not have issues. Um, but I think oftentimes we pull back from it because it does have issues. Here's the beautiful thing about the church, though. Um, I was actually, I was talking with one of the elders at our campus about this recently. But like, there have been several times that I've just seen the church be the church. Like when a family was in need, bro, like families stepped up and they helped. They shared everything that they had in common. Like I've, I've seen the church be the church and it is so freaking beautiful. Um, Hmm. and I think that's what makes me more fired up and passionate, upset when I see people 
not want that or not experience that. Maybe they've had yeah. a bad experience in church. And I'm like, man, like it's so much better than what you experience, or it's so much better than just listening to an in-person podcast. Like it, God created it for his glory and for our good. And when we step out of that, or when we don't engage in it, we're missing something that he wants for us. Yeah. Like he already has as much glory as he's ever going to need. Like we don't need to gather to give him more glory. It's for our good. Yeah. And for the people of the city to look in and see there's a God in heaven. That was the purpose of Israel. That is the purpose of the church now. Like we are the new Israel in the sense that we are God's people. And when people look at us, they get to see what he is like. Hmm. So don't pull back from that. Yeah. Like that's don't pull back from that. Yeah. And there is beauty in the brokenness of the church. There is. Um because there's this, like there's this old ancient uh, Japanese art. I think it's Japanese. Um, it Kintsugi. Is. Yep. Um, and it's where they would take this bowl and they would break it and they would crack it intentionally. And they would fill it, the cracks with gold and stuff like that. As a way of showing like the things that were once broken about the bowl are now the most beautiful things. Because the cracks allowed the light and the gold to shine through. Mm. I really believe that's how God built his church. Yeah. Cause that boy built it on Peter and Peter was yeah. as broken as the rest of us. Yeah. And so when broken people get together, that leaves room and space for the glory of God to shine through. So why do we expect the church is going to be a bunch of nice, cleaned up, polished up people? Like let the cracks show, let God do his work and let that light shine through, not just to the people in your building, but to the people into your community. Yeah, man. What what would here's how we can here's how we can end this episode. What would you say to the person who is just maybe hasn't experienced the blessing or doesn't know what they're missing out on when engaging with the church and is just kind of sitting on the peripheral and is like, what do I do now? Like I, I'm I'm considering it. It sounds good, but I don't know I don't know if it's worth giving up what I have, what would you say to help that person take the next step? I would say everything goes back to scripture. I was like, it's not really about like if church was what we feel like, there are a lot of days I don't feel like going to church. Mm. There are a lot of days I don't feel like engaging with church people. Um, I love church people, but sometimes we're the worst. Um, but I do it because that's what God told us to do. Hmm. And if I trust him and he knows what's best for me, he knows my good and he has established the church for his glory and for our good. Then I'm going to trust him enough to take a step into that and be like, maybe I did have a bad experience. And for that, I'm so sorry. Like that's not, that's not the way that's supposed to be. And that's not just a sweep it under the rug. Okay. Go try again, champ. Like that's just like, there's very real, time it takes to step back into that arena and the Lord is gracious and he is slow and he is kind and he will walk with you as you re-engage into his body because he's good in the process of you going back into that space yeah um but to the person who's just saying like what am I what would I gain from that like it's obedience to the Lord and it's he knows what's good for you and he knows what's best. So trust him that he's going to provide that. 
trust him that he's going to provide it. I love it. Well, y'all, thank you so much for tuning into today's episode. If you enjoyed it, let us know. Shoot us an email, sanctifiedish at gmail.com. Let us know your favorite episode of season two. That'd be great. Um, or season three. What season are we in? I don't Se- even know. Season three, dog. Look at that. Season three. That's kind of crazy. We probably need to start thinking about season four because I think we're on episode 15, 16. Anyways, that's a post-podcast discussion. Thank you guys for tuning in today, and we will catch y'all in the next one. Until next time, take care, and God bless. So, y'all, there was this photo of Victor that I took the other day. We were at Uncle Julio's, um, which is just a great story in the first place. <laughs> and there was a They pellet- make all their tortillas from scratch. They do. It's very it's a very authentic chain. Um <laughs> and we we were walking around this mall and we found a Peloton store. And I took a video or I took a picture of Victor in an anime shirt in front oh, of the Peloton out of time. store. We're running out of time. Check and out part just, two. There's just this video, this picture of him with a thumbs up in an anime shirt standing in front of a Peloton <laughs> store. And I'm just like, he has never looked happier, and I've never been more proud in my entire life. Um, Felicity, Felicity saw that picture and she was like, You look full of joy. Like I've never seen you <laughs> this happy before. You look I was like, like a well, kid on Christmas morning. <laughs> the Lord will do it. Won't he do it? Mm-hmm.